0: Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer. So, as longtime listeners will know, for the last year and some change, the Fed has been going on its monetary tightening campaign. Now, it's been doing this by raising its policy interest rates and, of course, allowing assets to mature off its balance sheet. There's also a several month lag between when monetary policy takes effect and when we see it actually roll through into banks backing away from lending, corporations defaulting, and credit actually slowing in terms of credit growth. Well, Those several month lags are actually starting to appear in the real economy. We obviously saw bank failures back in March, but now those same banks are backing away from lending. Within the public, QT is still ongoing at a pace of $90 billion per month. And finally, we're seeing this credit tightening hit banks in the form of defaults. So we're gonna talk about all that and more and what comes next in this credit downturn up next. the bitcoin layer is sponsored by foundation devices foundation devices are the creators of the passport bitcoin hardware wallet the bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use guys it's got a gorgeous design it's got a very sleek interface very great screen directional pad that everyone knows how to use it makes bitcoin storage easy and accessible to just about everybody if you've been put off in the past from bitcoin taking your bitcoin off exchanges which we highly advise that you do your bitcoin isn't really there these are fractionally reserved institutions Look no further. This is extremely simple. Everyone already knows how to use it right out of the box. And better yet, you can get $10 off your purchase when you use code BitcoinLayer at checkout. Go to com slash foundation to get yours today. First, we'll talk about the Fed's balance sheet reduction. And of course, that has a direct impact on banks' liquidity and the amount of credit that they can extend. The Federal Reserve has been doing QT, running down its balance sheet at a maximum pace of roughly $95 billion per month. And that's U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed security runoff. And that is double the maximum pace seen during the 2017 and 2019 tightening cycle. This tells you just how serious the Fed is about balance sheet runoff. And despite, uh, obviously, the Bank failures during March and April, which elicited the Fed to re expand its balance sheet temporarily, QT is still occurring on net. And in the month of April, bank reserves and the Fed's balance sheet are expected to decline by $79.87 billion. QT is still here, it's still ongoing in full force. And of course, uh, many people have forgotten about this, but it's important to remember that as the Fed's balance sheet runs down, bank reserves fall too, right? Remember, quantitative easing is an asset swap. The Federal Reserve purchases these assets off the balance sheets of banks, and then it gives them bank reserves in return. Well, when those assets mature off the Fed's own balance sheet, then those bank reserves that the Fed gave to these banks disappear too. And so QT removes bank reserves, right? If QE is supposed to create more risk-taking and create more credit growth, then QT is supposed to do the opposite. And we're beginning to see that occur as of right now. If you take a look at this chart, here, these are bank reserves, right? So of course, as I mentioned, this is uh, what the Fed gives banks when it does QE, and it's what is falling now that the Fed has begun QT. So the Fed operates under what's called an ample reserves framework. This is basically just making sure that the financial system and these banks have enough bank reserves so that the financial system can operate functionally, can, can remain solvent, and can operate smoothly. Now, for a while, the Fed and economists said that the level of ample reserves within the system was $2.5 trillion, right? And as of right now, if you'll take a look at this chart right here, Bank reserves reached as high as 4.1, 4200000000000 trillion. And it was said that the Fed could remove uh, roughly $1.7 trillion worth of bank reserves and get aggregate bank reserves in the U.S. banking system down to $2.5 trillion before the market would start to go haywire, before financial markets would really start to go haywire. Bank reserves would only get down to $3 trillion before emergency programs had to be extended and the Fed had to step in and stabilize banks back in March. Again, take a look at this chart here. In the green line, that was the line that was said to be the reserve constraint level where uh, financial markets would start to go haywire and the Fed would need to stop QT. And in the red is the actual level where the Fed needed to step in and stop its quantitative tightening. And that is the red line right there. So reserves, as you can tell, they have a great deal of importance in the financial system and more importance than the Fed and other economists actually thought initially. Uh, Of course, in the past 15 years, since the introduction of quantitative easing and tightening as concepts within the U.S. banking system, it seems that uh, banks have grown ever more reliant on actually using these uh, for their capital base and using these to extend lines of credit. Their removal, as was witnessed over the last uh, several months here, when it's done rapidly, it can lead to dire consequences in terms of bank liquidity. And so removing them slowly is what needs to be done, right? Uh, and for small and large banks, this level of reserve constraint actually differs. So for large banks, it's much, large, uh, it's much higher, a higher uh, level that, that reserves get constrained. And for smaller banks, it's actually much more fragile for them as a percentage of their total asset base. Take a look at this chart right here the reserve constraint level for small banks as a percent of their total asset base is roughly 6%. For large banks, it is 8%. Now, as of right now, large banks which are in the blue line they have 11% of bank reserves relative to their total asset base they're good they're they're pretty well capitalized but when it comes to small banks they are still rapidly approaching that 6% level where st- things really start to go haywire and bank failures begin right this point this 6% level of small bank reserves when small bank reserves fall to 6% of their total asset base That is when these small banks start to fail left and right like dominoes. And at the pace that QT is currently happening, within three weeks, this reserve constraint level for small banks is going to get hit again. You can see on this chart the magnitude of QT removing reserves from the balance sheets of these banks. Large banks are going to be fine. They're going to be totally fine. But... Not the case for small banks and chances are as QT continues, which the fed needs to do, it said that it, it stresses the importance of this, right? Remember 90 billion billion, three three times the pace of it during the last cycle. They're very serious about this and small banks are in trouble the bitcoin layer is sponsored by foundation devices foundation devices are the creators of the passport bitcoin hardware wallet the bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use guys it's got a gorgeous design it's got a very sleek interface very great screen directional pad that everyone knows how to use it makes bitcoin storage easy and accessible to just about everybody if you've been put off in the past from bitcoin taking your bitcoin off exchanges which we highly advise that you do your bitcoin isn't really there these are fractionally reserved institutions Look no further, this is extremely simple. Everyone already knows how to use it right out of the box. And better yet, you can get $10 off your purchase when you use code BitcoinLayer at checkout. Go to the BitcoinLayer.com slash foundation to get yours today. Now on with the video. Now we're not predicting bank failures, but we are saying that they're facing a monumental challenge when it comes to credit creation. They're very reliant on these bank reserves and at a pace of 20 billion to $30 billion per week, which are withering away, Small banks are going to get faced with this issue of not enough reserves in order to meet their funding needs. Take a look at this quote from the New York Fed's Beige Book. It says, regional banks continue to report widespread declines in loan demand, ongoing credit tightening, and modestly rising mortgage delinquency rates. Amid heightened uncertainty, most businesses do not expect economic conditions to improve in the coming months." So everyone's on the same page that recession is here. And as a result, small banks are seeing loan demand fall. Obviously, they're tightening their own lending standards because they're trying to take risk off the table. But we're seeing this credit tightening uh, proliferate throughout the economy, right? Small banks aren't extending as many loans to businesses, to commercial real estate developers, and to individuals. So speaking of falling commercial bank lending, take a look at this chart right here. This is a chart that shows total US commercial bank lending and you can see that it has fallen well off of its highs seen in March. And although it's trending somewhat off its March lows, the secular trend is still down. And if you look at small banks, it's even worse. Speaking of which, uh, PacWest Bank Corp, which is a regional bank, has actually talked about selling its lender finance division, right? PacWest Bank Corp is a uh, well, Pacific Western bank for the, uh, the, the actual name of the bank is a regional bank, right? It deals a lot with uh, commercial real estate developers and small companies. And of course, small regional banks are reeling from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Not only did they uh, experience extreme depositor flight, but of course they are faced with this this ever-increasing competition from money market funds that are yielding 4% and 5%. And so it's very, very difficult for these regional banks. They're struggling, and as such, they are backing away from lending. This is the manifestation, the personification, a tremendous example of exactly what I just talked about with small banks backing away from new credit for the economy. And remember, we live in a credit-based financial system, in a credit-based monetary system, in a credit-based economy. When credit growth goes down, so does economic growth, right? And so recession is at our doorstep. The credit crunch is here, and less credit is being extended to real businesses, to real consumers. And as a function of that, economic growth is going to follow, right? Just the nature of the monetary system in which we live. So PacWest Bank Corp, they had a $3 million loan book, well, they still do, and that includes revolving credit lines and loans to small businesses and commercial real estate firms. You know that we've been talking about commercial real estate for a few weeks now, and the issues that they're facing too. They're gonna struggle finding financing, and again, this is a prime example of that. A regional bank that is no longer financing as many loans as it once did, and it's selling the arm of its business that was responsible for financing loans. Red flag, right? Massive, massive red flag. And it shows you uh, that economic growth is about to go the way of the dodo when it comes to the U.S. economy. So this declining credit and loan creation is translating into, of course, tighter lending conditions for U.S. businesses and a deleveraging of the U.S. economy. We're living through a deleveraging right now. Call it a credit crunch, call it a deleveraging. But as a result of a credit crunch, less new credit being extended, banks backing away from lending, higher rates, corporations delever, and they delever in one of two ways, either via repayment, right? They repay their loan obligations, and then they don't take on new debt, or they default on their debt obligations. Uh, so we'll talk about the first one first, right? We'll talk about how hard it is for new biz- for small businesses to actually get loans. Take a look at this chart here. This is a survey on uh, small businesses and how difficult it is to get loans. And 9% of respondents who borrow very frequently, again, these are small businesses, reported that it was harder this month than last month to take on new loans. This is the highest amount of small businesses having a harder time finding loans since the end of the great financial crisis in 2012. So that just goes to show how tight credit is getting. Small businesses, the highest amount of survey respondents of small businesses are having a harder time getting loans since when it went the last uh, massive economic downturn. So that is the difficulty, right? That is that is an instance of, of, of businesses having a harder time finding loans and taking out credit. Now, let's talk about the flip side of it, right? What about defaults? Well, we're beginning to see those rise at the margin too. Take a look at this chart. These are credit spreads overlaid with default rates and default rates are starting to tick up at the margin. You can see with the light blue line here again, as credit spreads, uh, that lower quality borrowers pay are widening, albeit these are still levels that are shy of last year, but the fact that default rates are beginning to, to rise and the spread at which these lower quality, we call them junk borrowers, are beginning to widen as well, it shows you that we are at the beginning of this default cycle, right? The credit cycle is, is turning down, rates are much higher, lending standards are much higher, businesses are having a harder time financing, small regional banks outright selling the wings of their business that do this loan financing. And as a result of that, you're starting to see defaults tick up and these loan terms for lower quality borrowers tick up as well. We are just at the beginning of this. And you're witnessing this with the more interest rate sensitive companies too. Take a look at Google. Google has halted construction of its 80 acre San Jose, California campus that was gonna span 73 or 7.3 million square feet of office space. And they have no plans to revive the project in the near future. Well, Well, why is this? We know Google is a very interest rate sensitive company And this is not a good sign, right? Of course, Google is an interest rate-sensitive company, so they are the first to respond to these credit crunches. You're gonna start to see this at Main Street next. You're gonna start to, to see this eventually trickle its way to those businesses that actually are close to you, right? Rather than these larger Silicon Valley firms. The reasons cited for this are, of course, the diminishing need for office space, but also slowing ad sales, right? Which is a big sign of recession and tighter financing conditions, which make projects like this, which were greenlit during the zero interest rate policies, when when interest rates were at or near zero, untenable and completely impractical to continue. And Google is not the only one doing this, right? Projects that were financed and have debt out on a rolling basis that were initially greenlit when interest rates were at or near zero are being canned, and this is an example of that, right? We're also seeing bankruptcies. Bankruptcies are beginning to occur at small private businesses uh, that you don't see in the headline data, right? Many pundits will say, well, bankruptcies are still low, they're elevated but still low. But if you take a look at private companies versus public companies, that's when you start to see the real problem going on here. Take a look at this chart private companies in blue reporting bankruptcies have spiked, right? They have spiked much higher than they were in 2020, which should be sounding alarm bells. Of course, if the company is publicly traded, you'll hear more about it. But bankruptcies among these smaller private companies have spiked past 2020 levels. Just a sign of the times, right? We say either repayment or default. Those are the two two ways in which this deleveraging takes place as this credit crunch ensues. Now we're seeing a fair deal of repayment, right? These small banks are having a harder time finding new loans, so they're going to repay their existing debt and not take on new debt. But we're also seeing a fair deal among these smaller private companies first, eventually moving its way into the larger public companies. Bankruptcies and defaults are beginning to occur too. And last but not least, we'll talk about this, consumer delinquencies, right? It's, this is, hitting consumers. It's already beginning to hit consumers. Of course, uh, after several months of policy pass through, we see banks fail and back away from lending. We see businesses not take on any new, many, as many new loans and begin to default. And then we see it with the consumers as well. Take a look here. Biggest U.S. banks wrote off $3.4 billion in bad consumer loans. That is a 73% jump in the first quarter compared to last quarter. But of course, still the mainstream pundits, the mainstream economists and the newspapers say that the consumers are in great shape, but usually you don't see a rapid jump in consumer loan write-offs from consumers just not paying their loans. Of course, you have two sides to every single loan. You have the lender and the borrower. In the case of the borrower, when they default, The lender's asset is worthless. And so for many of these regional banks, they are not many banks in general, right? We're talking about the big four here, but this size, this amount of consumers that are defaulting on their loans and businesses too, it's much worse for smaller banks, right? We talk about small banks hitting their reserve constraint level relatively soon, and that's going to be exacerbated by businesses and consumers also defaulting on their loans. Remember, there are two sides as a borrower, as a consumer, when they default, the lender's Asset is worthless, right? If you're lending money and you don't get it back with your rate of interest, it's worthless or you get it at a haircut, you have to write down your assets to downsize your business and potentially default elsewhere. And this is what we call a default cascade. While well, we're not at that stage necessarily yet, we are witnessing consumers defaulting their loans. We are witnessing businesses uh, defaulting their loans and this spike in bankruptcies, this huge jump in consumer loan delinquencies. It's a sign of the times and it is just the beginning of what is ahead as the credit crunch continues. So that's all for today. Thank you guys so much for watching through the video. Make sure to subscribe and hit the bell icon if you wanna be notified when we upload again. That is all for today. I'll talk to you guys later. The Bitcoin layer is sponsored by Passport, the Bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use. Guys, this is the most gorgeous hardware wallet on the market. And when we say you already know how to use it, it's exactly what we mean. I mean, look at this. This looks like the phone that you've been using for years now. It's got a very, very familiar interface, very, very beautiful and bright display. Easy, easy navigation buttons, you guys. If you've been on the fence at all about Bitcoin hardware wallets and keeping your Bitcoin safe and off exchanges that are fractionally reserved institutions, Look no further guys. This is the device for you. You can find it at the bitcoinlayer.com/foundation and use code bitcoinlayer for $10 off your purchase.